Welcome to RailPass. I'm your host, Sarah Hardy, Division Manager of Visitor Experience with the Southern California Railway Museum, located in Paris, California. Join me as we learn more about the Railway Museum and meet the people who volunteer, work, play, partner, and engage with our museum. All aboard for our next great adventure. Today in this episode, um, we're talking to some volunteers who are leading the restoration of the Emma Nevada. Jim Groening uh, with the Machine Shop, who we spoke to earlier, Jeff Burdick, and Mike Whistler. So these three volunteers are really leading the project, and so I'm really excited to talk to them and get a better understanding of what's going on with this restoration. Before we start, is there? do you guys want to make some introductions? Jim, we can start with you. Well, um, hello. Uh Thank you for having me again today. Yeah, thanks for being back. Um, I wanted to touch base. Uh, we we have been working in our machine shop, um, oh, quite a bit in the last year, making parts for the Emma. And uh, Jeff and I have been really cranking the handles and making the chips and, and <laughs> getting, the, getting the parts made up, and, and we've got a lot more to do. Very cool. Jeff, you want to let our listeners know a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm just a mechanic, fabricator, got drafted into the museum a few years ago on the 107 build, and now I'm working on Emma. I'm working in the machine shop with Jim and doing whatever needs to be done. Nice. And Mike, we have Mike joining us today uh, remotely. Mike, you have you want to let our listeners know a little bit about you? Yeah, um, I'm the current project manager on Emma Nevada um, Restoration I got involved in the museum back in 2000 when I met uh, Bill Barber and um, been volunteering ever since. And we really got involved <clears throat> several years ago. We started uh, working on the tender. We um, put brakes on the tender and um, refurbished a bunch of other parts, re refurbished the trucks and then um, we started moving on to the locomotive. That's when Bill passed away, so I've kind of taken over from there. Very nice. Well, thank you all three for taking time out of your day to talk with me. Um, so I guess I want to start a little bit with like the history of this locomotive. Is there anything you can tell me about this locomotive's original life before it came to the museum? Sure. It, um, it was bought brand new by the Nevada Central uh, railroad in uh, 1880. Well, it was built in 1881, and they uh, they received it in either 1881 or early 1882. They operated it up until about 1938 <clears throat> when the railroad shut down. In fact, it was it was the locomotive that the scrapper used to uh, scrap the railroad with and move the cars around while they were pulling up the rail and ties. Afterwards, um, it was bought by uh, Ward Kimball. A friend of his found out it was for sale, and uh, they arranged to buy it and have it um, shipped by um, standard gauge uh, rail, uh, Southern Pacific, down to the Southern Pacific General Shops, where they worked on it a little bit for uh, Ward. They had a truck to his backyard. Ward uh, laid a bunch of track in his backyard and fixed it up, uh, mostly cosmetically. He didn't do too much mechanically to it and operated in his backyard until sometime in the 1950s when he got a different locomotive. And he, he parked it after that. And then it came out to our museum 
I guess sometime in the 90s. And it's been with us ever since. Thank you so much for that. Um, so it came to the museum in the 90s. What was the state of it when it got here? Um, basically, as Ward had, as Ward had parked it, it um, I mean, cosmetically, it looks great condition. Um, he had really painted it up quite, quite a bit differently from the railroad. They had this basic black paint job on the railroad. He added all the brass trim and the, the red and orange highlights and, and what have you, and all the fancy paintings on the cab and the headlight. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great um, display piece for the museum. But um, several of us for a long time had always wanted to see if we could get it back into operation. So now we're working towards that. Yeah. But it is a very worn out locomotive. When, when did the restoration actually begin? Um, yeah, it must have been in the, uh, probably around 2008, 2010, I think we started getting serious with it, maybe a little earlier. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that timeline right now. And the goal has always been to get it operational to be part of revenue service at the, at the railway museum? Yes. Very cool. So where are you guys in the project right now? Well, uh, we're working on the running gear. Um, the wheels are just about ready to go back underneath it. We had them out to have the tires turned, um, hub liners re redone, journals resurfaced. And uh, Jim and Jeff have been making a bunch of parts to um, go along with that project. And, um, but we decided we need to fix a crack in the steam chest. So right now we're, we're removing this in the process of removing the steam chest to, uh, what, what is the steam the chest? Crack. That's that big, uh, cast piece in the front of the locomotive that holds the, uh, pistons. Okay. And valves. So what's involved in, in taking that out and. <laughs> well, <laughs> get a bigger hammer. <laughs> yeah, as Jeff found out this morning. No, um, basically, it just held in with a bunch of bolts and uh, pins. But um, they've been there for this thing, 140 probably, years. Okay. Yeah, it's probably it's probably never been off the locomotive for its 141 year life. So, so just getting is it off is the place. challenging part. Yes. Uh huh. Interesting. So once it's off, then what happens? Well, then we'll have a um, an expert in uh, welding big cast uh, pieces come out and, um, and weld up the cracks. And then uh, we'll have some other work to do to it before we put it back in, mostly um, stud replacements. Okay. And some cleanup. And then what are what are you two currently working on parts-wise? Oh, we're still working on uh, wedges and the, uh, and the I finished, shoes. I finished the shoes you got a couple the shoes of weeks done. ago. Yeah, I'm still working on wedges. Uh, we still have to do, um, oh, God, we still have a lot of, we have ton, all kinds of, there's a ton of parts. bolts and tapered pins. and, and Almost every, and, every nut and bolt that's coming off that thing is either, if it's a regular part, can be bought and replaced, but a lot of them are all custom, so. Yeah. We've got to make them to fit the engine. Make them, make them from scratch. Oh my goodness! So, where if you had to give the project a, a completion percentage, 
where would you say you are from zero to a hundred percent? What are you? Um, twenty, twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent. That includes, yeah, because that includes all the Tinder work that's been done, also. Okay. What What would you guys say has been the most challenging part of this restoration so far for each of you? Wow, that's an interesting question. <laughs> Get, getting, I can tell you what, what mine is, being part of the machine shop. Yeah. Um, is to, for instance, we have a lot of, uh, we have a, a 1927 Cincinnati number four horizontal mill. The only arbor we had for that mill was a one-inch arbor. We have a tool room filled with one-and-a-half-inch and two-inch two cutters that we, and, and, and we couldn't use them with the hole, you know, the diameter of the hole. So we made new arbors. What are arbors? It's, it, it's what goes into the spindle of the machine that okay. holds the cutters. And then you put the arbor support on it. It's a horizontal mill. And, and uh, so for decades, none of those cutters would have been available for us to use on the machine. Mm -hmm. So Jeff and I, we... We, I made the first one, Jeff made the second one. So we ended up making the arbors with 14 brown and sharp taper, which are not available anymore. Um, and we made them from scratch. Wow. And uh, now we have an entire tool room in there filled with tools that we can use at our, our, our beck and call. And we were able to use um, some beautiful carbide tools that I was able to find to put the shoes in and, and got those done in, in, uh, in, in quick order. And then we were able to, they, 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 both the wedges and the shoes need a radius cut on there. And we happened to find the perfect radius cutter and it we have the arbor. Yeah. And we have the arbor to do it with now. So, <laughs> so we're, we're rocking for that stuff. And that was the big, that was a big challenge for me in the machine shop yeah. was to get, get it so we'd have the right tooling to do the jobs. Right. Right. Jeff, do you have a moment that sticks out to you that's been the most challenging? Uh, pretty much just getting bolt removal on the engine. I mean, every one of the bolt nuts and bolts is pretty much rust welded to the engine. So, you know, it's a... Uh, have you like learned a trick that could help someone out that's really struggling with <laughs> some rusted bolts? I think they're kind of one-offs. Yeah. Know, they're really large bolts, so... You know, if you're talking about a car or something like that, you know, it's pretty easy. But these things got to be drilled out through the middle and air hammered from the other side. Oh, my gosh. You know, to get one one-inch bolt out, you know, a couple hours. Wow. And how many bolts are there? A lot. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's dedication. Well, just, just for the steam chest, it's... Uh, Four studs, eight tight fit bolts, and four tapered pins. Wow. Oh, and then two other two other inch and an eighth diameter, fourteen inch long bolts that were two of them are still stuck in there, but we think we can fix that. But yeah, it's um. But uh, overall, for me, it's just just getting everything coordinated. I mean, it's you know, it's not working on a steam locomotive isn't something you do every day and have a lot of experience with no although i have been in uh 
field of aircraft maintenance for 43 years. So big projects aren't scary to me, but you know, it, it is a unique experience. Yeah, you've got an aircraft mechanic and an automotive builder and working on a, on a steam locomotive. Steam locomotive, yeah. <laughs> but I, I have uh, several people that I, uh, that are more expert than me that I rely on for when I have questions or, hey, what's the best place to, the best way to do this? And what do you think about that? And so, that you know, we're not best, driving. Is that the best way moving forward with with something so old is, is using other resources at, at the museum, other people? Or do you have like a book that you go to, the archives? or Because how do you get instruction? Oh, no, this. No, I, this is a. I'm talking about other other people outside the museum. Okay. That are expert that have more experience with me. People that have done this before. People that do it for a living. And, um, but yeah, and, the, and there are um, there are there are publications um, on how to do some of this stuff, and and some of it is just basic mechanical machine work and and what have you, but it's applied uniquely to a steam locomotive. Yeah. So everything's scaled up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thoroughly rusty. <laughs> yes. I, I remember when I spoke to Jim last time, he was talking about making the, the wedges and the shoes and how each piece is off in some way. It's not a brand new part. So you're making new used parts. How have has that been difficult to calculate where the wear is on the old parts in order to make the new ones fit? Oh, definitely. I spent I spent a lot of time laying out all the different dimensions for all the different shoes and wedges. It was a painful process. Yeah, <laughs> tedious. But, uh, yeah, yeah, tedious. And you know, I. You know, yeah, it's like not like it's not like it's my regular job where I'm out there, you know, five days a week. You know, you go out there and you you do it, and then you come back a week or two later, and you say, okay, where was I? And you end up doing a lot of a lot of me measuring things two and three times just to make sure you didn't overlook something. Yeah. Every time you step away from it, you know, you kind of lose a bit of where was I at. And it's really important to be precise because if you're off. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, work. and. Yeah, and um, you know these these all this old equipment. Their tolerances are a lot less than a an, um, aircraft. Anything on an aircraft, or even even like automotive engines, are a lot have a lot of higher tolerances. But but you know if you try and hold the tight as tight a tolerance as you can, um, even if you're off by a slight amount, a slight amount on a aircraft engine might be a big deal but it, it it'll still be within the generous tolerances of a steam locomotive that's good <laughs> you have a little yeah grace. yeah and you know we in our shop we have a lot of vintage machine tools and for instance the lucas that we're doing the horizontal boring mill that's over 100 years old and that doggone thing you know you have to sneak up on the dimensions you <laughs> can't you can't just go dial it in and you're there you have to kind of sneak up on it and get to it, and then you let it take a couple of finish cuts and this type of thing. And but the doggone thing's still holding two thousandths of an inch. And I saw Jeff on that old horizontal boring, uh, the old horizontal Cincinnati number four horizontal mill, and he was holding a thousandth of an inch 
running between the between the uh, shoes on the ears between the shoes. And he was holding a thousandth of an inch, and and it was just amazing to see those old machines be able to hold the tolerance that we were able to hold with those things. Yeah, I can't even imagine that kind of precision. <laughs> That'd be hard to maintain. What do you anticipate is going to be the most challenging part moving forward in the restoration process? The boiler. The boiler? Yeah. That's, that's something we're definitely going to have to farm out to a, an expert. Somebody was talking about a place in Canada that does it for a lot less than the couple of different options that were looked at here down in the States. But yeah, the, that's if um, but that's the, if we have to have a whole new one built. Yeah, but the first thing we want to do is get the steam chest done, get it back on its feet, and then think about getting the upper half done because yep. you can't do the upper half without the bottom half functioning. Okay. And we can't have we don't want to have too much of it torn apart at any one time either. Yeah, that's very true. So talking about all this challenging stuff can you all share like some fun moments that have happened along the way like what's been the most enjoyable or rewarding part of this restoration process what keeps you guys dedicated to this project progress yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's 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 a good way to state it just progress yeah you, you you're always thinking i can't wait till we see steam coming out of that thing that will be very exciting do you have like an anticipated completion date or are you just taking it one, one day at a time? No, you know, it's, yeah, it's one day at a time. Cause there's so much, there's so much, um, unanticipated problems we're going to run into, um, being the condition that the locomotive's in. So, you know, and money's, money's a big thing too. We've got, yeah. you know, got to raise a lot of money cheap to restore an 18. No. 80 steam locomotive just having the wheel work done with $22,000 oh my goodness yeah which took up most of our budget we had that is definitely a challenge do you have anything else you want to share about the restoration any moments that stick out to you any anything no I'll tell you I, I've enjoyed you know Jeff come brought came Mike was bringing parts to me from the uh, Emma Nevada, and then Jeff comes down and he starts hanging out in the machine shop. We became buddies, and it was a lot of fun. So I, I'd have to say, for me, it was just having a good time and, and working with Jeff. So it was fun. So you know. Is that the first time you've worked in the machine shop? Is making these parts for Emma? As a full machine shop, yeah, I've played around with lathes and things like that before, but you know, actually running these old machines in here, I've you know, that's a first. Yeah. <laughs> Putting everything together and getting, you know, nothing was working in the machine shop when we, when, mm -hmm. when we started here. And the person who was in charge of it wasn't really looking at running the machine shop. He's just, you know, collecting things for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's putting the machine shop together and getting it functioning. That's, that's a real st uh, step forward, too. Oh, that's been a blast. Yeah, I'm sure that makes a big difference for the restoration projects in general. That well, for can be done everything at this museum, you know, there's things that need to be made that you can take to the machine shop now that you couldn't before. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know what we'd have done about those shoes and wedges if Jim wasn't there. Well, Jim was saying to farm the shoes out, there's like 1800 bucks a piece to make them. And how many shoes are there? Shoes and wedges together. There's six shoes and six wedges. Wow. And being all different, all different dimensions, I couldn't just give a machine shop a blueprint of one shoe and one wedge and say, hey, make six of these mm -hmm. each. You know, it's, they wouldn't and able I'd to do that. I'd have to probably, yeah, constantly going back and forth to the machines. That's how to the machine shop to, uh, they had questions, I you know, and just like with the wheels, they, they were at the machine shop way too long because they just kept pushing it off and pushing it off and not getting things done and had questions. And I couldn't get there all the time. It was down in commerce, where the machine shop was for the wheels. So. I'm glad that finally got done. Now we have a wheel lathe, and uh, we're yeah. Just, now we have a wheel lathe. <laughs> we're just about ready to 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 see how that thing operates too. That's that's going to be a really cool thing to see going. I'll tell you what, that's going to really put yeah. I wish we'd a museum on the map. Wish that wheel lathe was a, was an operation when we needed to do the Emma's wheel. Yeah, I that's an amazing benefit to have the locomotive or the trolley that you're restoring on the same property as the shop that you're making the parts in because oh definitely so much easier to go and check your figures and things like that so i i really want to thank you guys and before i end it if any of our listeners are interested in getting involved or donating to this project can you talk a little more about how they might be able to do that yeah just um come on out to the narrow gauge barn on a saturday or sunday and with somebody will put you to work. I'm not there every weekend. Um, usually Jeff and uh, Ken Schwartz are there every every Saturday and Sunday, at least part of the day. But um, there's always something to do out there. Even if, it isn't, even if it's not directly working on Emma, Nevada, it's anything you do out at the, at the narrow gauge car barn is in indirect support of the restoration of them in Nevada and the other projects, other big projects out there at the, at the museum. Uh, you know, there's always something to do. Um, plus donate money. You can always use money. I think the in the Nevada fund is C57, I think. Yeah. I think listeners can visit our website and donate through our online uh, donation and leave a note in the, in the comment section as to where they'd like their money to, to go to. So yeah, saying Emma, Nevada. I think, uh, yeah, I think Alan holiday's going to, I've been in, um, I've been in conversation with him over the last week, you know, write up a little blur, but he's going to put some special, um, link for, uh, Emma Nevada. So you can get to it more directly. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Well, anybody wants to do, uh, come out to the machine shop and, and donate some time, I'm always willing to, to help you out. And you can come out here and, and, and see how it is to, to work in the machine shop here at the, uh, at the museum. And yeah, it's, and you're it's here really cool. almost every Saturday. Every Saturday I'm here. Yeah, so it's a perfect opportunity. All right. Well, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Always some kind of new skill you can learn. Or maybe you bring in a skill that uh, we're not so good at. We could we could learn from you. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about this restoration project. I'm really excited as to where it's going and to have more insight into what's being done and what needs to be done in the future. If you all are interested, I would love to have you back as the project progresses and get an update on on where you are, if you're interested. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Always. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Sarah, for hosting this. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today. As you disembark, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. And visit SoCalRailway.org to view past episodes, photo, video, and bonus material. And also let us know what you would like to hear, who you'd like to meet, and what we can do for the next Rail Pass episodes.